Brian Enerson here, the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the premiere episode of Season 2. Today on the pod, we have North Dakota running legend Becky Wells. We can't wait to share her story with you, but first, we'd like to say thank you to a few of our sponsors. Big shout out to C-Dick Run. C-Dick Run is located in downtown Grand Forks and is the town's premier running store. They'll hook you up with all of your running needs. Richard, the owner of the store, will help find the right shoe and apparel for you to reach all of your running goals. He carries an abundance of great brands and has outfitted both Cam and I over the years. Not going out in public in the pandemic? Let Richard know and he'll ship you what you need. Cedic Run, where life and running intersect. Big shout out to Ragnarok Athletic Club too. Ragnarok Athletic Club provides opportunities for athletes of all ages and all events to compete in track and field. If you're looking for some training ideas, head over to their Instagram page and take a look. Be sure to give them a follow so you can receive updates on competitions, training tips, and all things track and field. And finally, big shout out to our sponsor, Draymond Enterprises. Draymond Enterprises, innovation reimagined. If you guys are ready to get started, let's tune in to the premiere episode of season two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Enerson. And I'm your other host, Cameron Rayo. And today we have the privilege of interviewing one of the best North Dakota athletes, period. Uh, she prepped at Dickinson High School, where she was a 20-time state champion. She went to the University of Florida, where she was a 10-time Division I All-American. She was even a two-time NCAA champion in the mile in the 1500. We're here with Becky Wells. And Becky, we were talking to somebody that said, you were Laura Raisler before the internet. I thought that was an interesting way to put it, but uh, you are held in very high regard with a lot of the runners in North Dakota. So our first question for you is going to be this. We're just wondering, how did you get started running? Because behind every good story and every good athlete, there's always some sort of beginning. What was your first taste or first experience with track and field and running? Um, so my dad was a runner. Uh, my mom also ran track. They uh, went to Glendive High School. Uh, my mom was a high jumper and a hurdler. And my dad was more of a cross country guy, distance guy. Um, but when we were growing up, um, he was still training for road races and that kind of thing. Um, I have a sister who's three years older, um, who ran for Dickinson High School as well. But when we were younger, my dad was training for these road races. And we would go along and he would have me walk with my mom and my sister got to run with him a little bit. And it just, you know, I always wanted to be like my dad, be like my sister. And finally he let me run a bit. And I think I ran my first 5k when I was maybe eight years old. Um, and I still remember how hard that was being an eight year old and having not, you know, I ran, but I didn't really train, you know, for it. And so, um, that's kind of how that, how I got started. Wow. Very cool. And was there like a moment pretty early on where you knew that you were going to be good at running? Because if we look at the accolades, a 20 time state champion is pretty rare. And a lot of people would just call that dominance. Was there a point where you knew that this is something I'm going to be really good at? Um, I mean, even thinking back about, my parents, they put me in uh, park and rec track and field meets in Glendive and I would win races and um, it didn't really stick with me then. But as I got older, I think I was in sixth grade when I ran with um, the junior high there in Dickinson. And, you know, 
youth sports, it's sometimes hard to find a good coach, but we just had such a good coach with Jerry Schwartz um, in Dickinson, North Dakota. And, and he saw something in me, you know, and so he moved me up to run with the junior high when I was still in grade school and then moved me up to run with the high school um, shortly after that. So I think somewhere in there, maybe in junior high where, you know, I realized what he saw in me and, and kind of took it from there. Becky, was it something that you enjoyed right away uh, or like found to love or was it more of something that, that you knew you were good at um, and you just kind of stuck with it because of the success that you had and, and maybe, maybe for like a coach or for your family? Sure. So my dad is um, full-blood Blackfoot um, Native American, and I belong to that tribe as well as the blood tribe in Canada. And if you look back at like just the Native American roots of running and the games that they played and that kind of thing, there was just so much of a culture of running. And um, even when I've done some outreach work with those communities, it's almost like a spiritual thing for them. Um, and you, you see a lot of good Native American runners. And so I think I had maybe genetically, you know, um, the ability to do that. But also I think it was a, a spiritual thing, you know, for me as well. Um, and then just seeing what my family had accomplished, my sister um, and I actually coach against each other now. Um, we're both at D3 schools in uh, Minnesota and my brother and my sister-in-law ran for my sister at Bowling Green, um, D2 school in Ohio. Um, so just that family culture, you know, of running as well was something that definitely um, kept me doing it. Yep. Yeah, we're excited. We're going to ask you some more about your heritage a little bit later in the episode. But you get this taste of running up at kind of the next level. You're a little bit younger running with these high school runners. And like we said, there's not a lot out there about your, the come up, like where you developed into, like we said, a pretty dominant high school runner. What grade were you in when you won your first state title? So I was the freshman in high school, ninth grade. Um, so that year, I don't remember her name, but she had been a defending champion in the mile and two mile, I want to say out of uh, Wapaton. And um, even going into that, you know, I was telling my boys because I have um, some runners now, we have three boys, but um, I wasn't favored to win. You know, our team was favored to win and kind of had that culture there at Dickinson of, um, you know, focusing on that. And so I think that first year for me definitely was um, just knowing that we could possibly win a state title. And so I just kind of sat, I think the two mile was first. So I sat and kicked and I think that's where that record came from that first year. Um, and then came back the next day um, and beat uh, she was favored to win, uh, beat her again. And so um, I think at that point, it really was like, okay, now I've won state and um, definitely confidence builder and that kind of thing going up against seniors. And yeah. So, I mean, not very many people win a state title, much less that early uh, in their, in their high school career. Um, so after those first two, was, was there instantly like this desire to, to take it to the next level? Were you thinking uh, about 
about competing in college someday or where, where did you kind of set the next bar for yourself? Yeah. So, um, like I said, uh, Jerry Schwartz and his involvement in youth sports and taking, um, we didn't have a track club in Dickinson. Um, and so we would go up to the Bismarck, uh, area and there were more clubs there, more participation, AU track meets. Um, but I really give him credit for making those opportunities available, um, to me. And I think when we, um, of course you travel with those, you know, I know very young, I went to um, Texas, went to Florida, you know, for these AAU national competitions. Um, and that definitely, you know, you're competing against everybody in the country. So that um, definitely grew my confidence um, and also my experience. You know, I remember going out to the first one in Texas and um, some of those things run behind, they're pretty big, productions. Um, and so we we're supposed to race at maybe eight or nine o'clock at night. We didn't race until midnight. You know, I had probably warmed up for two hours, you know, just that kind of, um, I say now with our athletes, like you just never know what a kid's going to do with their first big experience, their first big track meet. And so those um, opportunities through AAU track and field were huge for me because they really um, helped me develop um, a bigger picture, I guess. Mm-hmm. And last season we had Morgan Milbreath on, and when she was a freshman, she duked it out with Laura Raisler and won a state title as a freshman. And so then it was one of our questions for her was, what was that pressure like? And she said it wasn't necessarily a lot of pressure from the outside, but pressure that she all of a sudden put on herself. So after your ninth grade year, did you feel pressure from within? Did you feel some external pressures? What was that like? Because all of a sudden you have three more years of high school left and you have maybe have a target on your back. Yeah. So for me, um, I, I really just focused on the process and that's what I tried to tell my athletes now. Um, you know, I definitely talked with Jerry Schwartz about, um, Hey, you could qualify for an Olympic trials. That was something that we thought about, um, you know, pretty, early in my career. And so that was something that I had in the back of my mind. Um, but I maybe wish I would have felt more pressure. Um, I trained really hard, things went well. Um, I probably didn't feel pressure until post-collegiately when I was running, um, being paid to run. <laughs> yeah. So not a great place to learn about handling pressure, <laughs> but yeah. So, Becky, when, when you graduated, you had these state records on the track. You had the 400-meter state record, the 800-meter state record, the 1,600-meter state record, the 3,200-meter state record, and the 4 by 8 state record. Uh, currently, uh, the 400 time that you ran is still seventh all-time in Class A. The 800 is second in Class A, only behind Laura Raisler. The 1600 is still the fastest high school girl time ever in North Dakota. It has stood for 22 years. The 3200 stands as fifth in class A and the four by eight is still the fastest time in the state of North Dakota. Um, those times uh, and those like records don't just happen by, by accident or even by, by one person. So you've talked obviously a lot about uh, your coaching, um, but what was like the team the team that you were with, like, uh, when you were at Dickinson High? 
sure. Um, I think it's important too for programs, Dickinson had a pretty good tradition there with their men's program, but I think the women's program started to come up. Um, I had a girl that was my age, um, Kirsten Hestelin, and she was a talented runner. Um, and it just, you know, began to be a culture of, because we had a lot of seniors going out that year when we won that were, you know, we had good sprinters. We had my sister who was favored, you know, in the eighth. I, I think she was in the top three that last year. Um, but just, it just cultivated a culture of excellence, you know, because we did think about, it seemed, it wasn't just let's do all these records in one year, like you said, um, that relay, we started after I started hitting some top 10 times in the country, we started thinking about our relay and what we would have to do and what the splits would have to be. And um, even the 400, I mean, I was a mid distance runner, so I ne wasn't necessarily going to run the 400, but I remember they had a good sprinter at that time. And so everybody wanted to see me run against her because she was, you know, winning all the sprinting events. Um, and I think I even got maybe second my senior year, but, you know, came down and did that four, eight mile, two mile, which with prelims and that kind of thing was, was difficult. But um, yeah, we definitely just kept digging and seeing, you know, how far can we go and what kind of records can we break? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 20 state titles. Um, I'm assuming, was there a couple cross country titles in there too? Yeah. Um, didn't win my freshman year, but um, there were at least a couple, maybe two or three. Yeah. Okay. And so between like your track and your cross country and winning titles every year that you were in high school, is there one that sticks out the most to you or one that's a favorite or stands out compared to the others? Um, probably, you know, I'm a miler and that definitely is my first love. And, you know, I'll never forget my freshman year, but I, I do know my senior year, even um, going with those doubles and triples and doing all those events at state. Um, I was trying to break 440 and ended up going 442. Um, and, uh, you know, Susie Faber Hamilton was the only person who had done anything like that in, in, you know, back in the eighties and nineties. And, um, so that was definitely one that stuck out in my mind was just running 442 as a, as a senior. 442 is so like crazy. Like, I don't, I mean, I think a lot of the people who listen, like, will understand how, how fast that is, but that it like, like breaking, breaking five for a high schooler, for a high school girl is like a, a huge accomplishment, like really, really hard to do. Um, but man, four, four, that's, I'm just blown away by that. I don't think, I don't think I ran 440 until my sophomore year of high school. So that's, I mean, well, and yeah, I, Go ahead. Looking back, um, you know, they had that men's tradition that was a little bit stronger at Dickinson High School. And I remember later my coach had told me um, that Mr. Carlson, who was the head men's track coach, had come up to him and said, you don't, you don't realize, you know, what you have here. You know, and I think that made my coach think even deeper. And so by the time I got to like my junior and senior year, we had um, been paired up with guys. And I was, there, there weren't any girls that could train with me on the team. And so my coach would help out. We would have male, you know, guys pacing me through things. But that definitely, for sure, helped my development at that point. 
<laughs> yeah, that is so fast, 442. But how cool that your coach was able to see that, like identify that I've got a talent and not just be afraid to keep the men and women separate, but like let you hop in and really push you and take you to the next level, even just in high school. You have a, such an awesome high school resume. I'm sure the recruiting, there was a lot of people knocking at the door. And we were talking about this before we started recording, but there just isn't a lot of North Dakota high school athletes that go on to compete in the SEC conference. So what was that like, um, the recruiting process, but also how did you narrow it down to a school? Um, that was probably the one of the most stressful times for me. I mean, there were um, letters coming, you know, from your, well, I, I, they have parameters now when, when you can recruit a kid, but I know I even had people talking to me early and just all kinds of letters. I know we had to um, limit the time that I could take phone calls or they would just that senior year, otherwise it was um, taking up too much time. They were just, you know, one after another. And so then you kind of get in this blur of like, everybody's kind of saying the same thing. And um, I did get the opportunity to go uh, to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs a couple times. They would pick, I don't know, maybe the top 10 in each event and offer a camp. Um, and so I got to meet like the coach at the University of Oregon, the coach at the University of Arkansas. And these are really powerhouse programs at that time. Um, and so I did feel comfortable with some of those coaches that I had seen over the years. Um, but, you know, it's difficult to train in North Dakota. Um, we went outside unless it was below zero. Um, we ran, my coach would drop me off. If there was a tailwind, we would, you know, you could go out with, it was colder if you're running with the wind at your back. Um, so you had to plan all those things, but it was difficult. And I think um, one of the reasons that I started looking further south, you know, was because of the weather. Um, I remember somebody interviewing me at like a nationals my senior year or commentating and saying, I can't believe she can run these times training the summers in North Dakota. And I thought, well, I don't train the summers. I train all year, <laughs> but that might be going inside and running bleachers, you know, doing, I did a lot of plyometrics, um, you know, got outside, of course, unless it was just too cold, but I think I was, drawn somewhere where I could um, train with a little bit more ease than the, than the North Dakota winters. Um, and so I looked at, uh, I looked at Arkansas, you know, and, and just like anything else, they're filling rosters. So they really didn't have um, the money at the time. They were full on their scholarships because um, I was offered full scholarships by all the schools I was talking to. Um, the University of Alabama, I think the reason that I chose them was just the um the way the coach was coach Williamson and coach Troy they were two coaches um I'm still close with coach Troy and um they had one of the best middle distance programs in the country and when I went down I just felt like I bonded well with them um and so that took me there for two years um I had an injury that I wasn't fully this I ran on a stress fracture my freshman uh, cross country, or no, not cross country, indoor and outdoor track. Um, and so th after that was kind of the reason that I didn't stay at Alabama. <laughs> so um, I was looking then for a program 
that I could uh, feel comfortable going to post-collegiately, you know? And so I think about my boys and I'm concerned about how they keep their athletes healthy. What opportunities do they have post-collegiately? Because it, it makes a big difference um, depending on what program you pick. Yeah. Now, we had a question that was submitted by one of our listeners, uh, Megan Ford of Jamestown. Actually, she's gunning for your mile record this year. So we'll see if she can do that or not. We're excited to watch. But her question was, um, and I'll read it word for word. I want to know what her transition from high school running to collegiate running was like. What were hard adjustments for you? And what new experiences did you enjoy? Sure. Um, I think the most intimidating thing for me was that I was not a high mileage person. And so Alabama was pretty, I, I respect them for how cut and dry they were about things. You know, they said, if you come in on a full scholarship, you need to score a point at the conference meet. Otherwise you're not going to keep a full scholarship. Um, I remember them telling me you need to be able to run for an hour. And that was not something I was a pretty low mileage kid. And so I did a lot of cross training, but I'd never really, I had to prep for that. I'd never really run for an hour before in my training. Um, so that was a little bit of a, an adjustment, just the mileage. But I think once you get to a college program um, and coaching now, what you see is that these young kids come in and now everybody's good. And so you're running with state champions from different states. And, and the trap that you can fall into is that there aren't really any off days. You know, they start racing on their, on their recovery runs. Um, and so the biggest advice I can say is that you can only go to the well so many times. I mean, if you expect that you're going to race well in college, you're going to have to do um, what you're used to and comfortable with and what gives you some recovery. I would definitely make sure that um, your recovery runs are recovery runs, not racing. <laughs> yeah, that's such great advice. I love that going to the well analogy. And then I guess the second part of that question was, how about experiences that you enjoyed? So what were some of the things that when you first got to college, you were like, this is so much better, or I wasn't expecting this, but this is so great. Yeah, well, it was a great group of girls that I was around um, down there. So they just had a really um, good chemistry. So that was fun. You know, when we were winning things, we were, um, I think we at Alabama defeated LSU, which they were the defending champions. And it was by half a point when I was on Alabama's team. And then at Florida, we beat them again by half a point. And so, you know, when these coaches say every point matters, I mean, they really, when you get to the SEC, it's pretty, you know, stiff competition, but um, the team culture there was fun. And then, you know, I wasn't a cross country person. So I went to, um, I think it's called Foot Locker now, but the Kenny Cross Country Championships. And, you know, I was rated the highest in the mile, but I'd go up, you know, cross country, you're against everybody, every event area from middle distance to 10K runners. And so I got beat and, you know, I was 10th out there and I thought, geez, I'm better. I can beat these guys, you know, but then my freshman year, um, I did beat the, you know, the champion from Kenny um, in a cross country race in Michigan. But I remember a coach that was recruiting me said, I typically don't recruit Kenny cross country kids. And the reason is 
only 25% of them go on to do any better than they ever did in high school. They're usually training, you know, overtraining and they just don't improve that much. Um, but being able to go out there and have another opportunity to like beat some people that I had not beaten in cross country, um, that was definitely a fun memory from the beginning. Yeah, uh, for, for not being a, a cross country person, you found quite a bit of success still uh, in college and cross country. Um, for me, uh, cross country was always my favorite part of running in college. Uh, just the, that is so specific, uh, to the distance, uh, team and, uh, just, I don't know, it's just a very like unique experience that, that doesn't quite compare to track. So how, how did the cross country team and like the track team, uh, at, Alabama and at Florida uh, kind of compare for you? Yeah. Um, and so being a coach now, I can tell you that the cross country team, just because the track teams are so big, you know, especially if it's a combined program are so close. I mean, so close and um, really great friendships there. So at Alabama, we were a combined program and we trained with the guys and, um, and that was fun, you know, because you felt like you had a lot of big brothers there, you know, with you and um, they're really close knit um, where if you jump to a program like Florida, where, you know, I know we have 125 kids on the team. So how many kids does Florida have and walk-ons, you know, people that aren't traveling? It's huge. You don't even, not only do you not know some of the men on the program, you don't know everybody in all the different event areas because it's, such a big team, you know, and then at competitions, you're not taking time. I mean, even as a coach, I have to mindfully take time out to maybe go see a thrower, you know, cause you're just watching all the middle distance events. Um, so I definitely think Florida was more um, individualized, you know, it was just kind of our little pod of middle distance runners. Um, definitely have really fond memories of Alabama and just um, the friendships there this first couple of years. Florida, when people look online and they see all of your accomplishments, it's mostly from your years at the University of Florida. So maybe just like walk us through a couple of those seasons, because how many years did you spend at Alabama? So I was there for two years. Um, I always qualified for outdoor nationals for my freshman um, year on. Um, I didn't always qualify for cross country. I, I think I missed it at Florida and then I was hurt at Alabama. I redshirted. Um, cross country, but um, I came in my freshman year and won the SEC cross country championships and beat Dina Drossen or Dina Caster now. And so she's a medalist in the Olympics and yeah. later trained with her. And um, that was probably one of, if I look back at cross country, because I just couldn't drop her. <laughs> you know, we went back and forth and the lead changed so many times in that last mile and it all came down to the last 400 and I just, you know, had a little bit more speed than Dina. And, um, but that definitely was um, kind of eye-opening. Like I was kind of naive, like what the SEC was and then even going on to nationals after that, I think it was 19th my freshman year. Um, so then I was hurt and I had iron problems um, and so um, I went into my sophomore indoor season, didn't do, you know, I was favored to win indoor championships and I 
did not indoors, but ended up um, the mile that year, lucky for me, was a sit and kick race because I wasn't in the best shape coming off the injury and the iron stuff, um, but ended up pulling off a second place finish my sophomore year in the indoor mile. Um, so that was, you know, special, but I think at that point I was looking for um, a program, like I said, that could see me after college. That was a concern for me. Um, and just where I also had, you know, like all those seniors at Alabama graduated and most of them left. We had one girl that stayed and was sponsored by Nike, um, Vicki Lynch. And I wanted to be with a group where I felt like there was that next step of a culture. And so went to Florida to train with JJ Clark, who his wife is a five-time Olympian, Gerald Miles Clark, his sister is a five-time Olympian, Joetta Clark, and they, you know, four and 800 meters. Um, his sister was already at Florida, so we ran as teammates, Hazel um, Clark, and she's an Olympian, won national titles. And so I felt like I wanted to find a place, like I said, where I could kind of, I knew I was still going to do this after college and I wanted to be in good hands with, with going on with it. So is this kind of like the mindset you had since high school that you were already thinking like long, long-term for your development, like onto professional and like had these Olympic aspirations or or was it more like step-by-step, step, like, well, I'm going to get to college and I'm going to win SECs and then I'm going to work to a national title and then to the Olympic trials? Like, where where was kind of your mind, even kind of going all the way back to, to high school? Yeah. Um, so in high school, it was really kind of stressful. And like I said, I maybe was looking more for um, the training all year kind of thing. Um, it was really difficult to go from North Dakota to the South and being that far, particularly from family. Um, so, but there's so many different ways to get there. You know, if I look back now, what are the programs? I mean, obviously Oregon, you come out of Oregon running well, Nike's there, you have a good chance of being, you know, sponsored. Um, different programs that maybe some of these coaches have affiliations with um, agents. You know, so if you are thinking about doing something post-collegiately, like the sooner you can kind of start to um, research your schools, know about your coaches, know about the history of the program. And even Florida, if you look now, you know, they're a powerhouse in track and field and they've, you know, um, uh, their head men's track coach, he was an assistant when I was there, but I mean, they're producing Olympians, world champions. I mean, across the board in all their events, people go there to train post-collegiately. Um, so I think it's important to do your research. And then as far as a team, these kids need to think, you know, on these recruiting visits, these are the people you're gonna spend a lot of time with. So wherever you feel the most comfortable, which for me was at Alabama, that's where you need to go. You need to, you're going to spend so much time and know these people so well that you really need to feel like you fit in wherever it is you decide to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's something that people underestimate. They go, yeah, I'm going to go to a school and I'm going to train and I'm going to go to my classes. But you think about like who you're taking those classes with, which a lot of times is your teammates. Those are the ones you sit by. And then at the track, when you're recovering in the training room at the dining center, most of the times you're, they're your roommates all throughout college too. Yeah. So I think that's very, very good advice. 
and probably something you see a lot now as a coach, you know, you look back and you probably have a much different perspective on your running career, like compared to somebody that had a successful career and hasn't gone into coaching. Oh, yeah. You know, when we, I don't, so I'm part-time, so I get to coach a lot, but I don't have to do the time consuming of coaching is all the recruiting, especially as you move up, you know, division three to division one. Um, but when our kids come in at Gustavus, we show them everything we have to offer. We let them know, you know, how we kind of compare within the conference, but we always let them know this has to feel like home. You know, if it feels like home, then you need to come here. And if it, if it isn't us, that's okay. We'd rather have you somewhere else and have you here and leave, <laughs> you know, our struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask one more question about your collegiate career. And then we've got some questions about post-collegiately. But you were a two-time NCAA champion, once indoors in the mile and then once outdoors in the 1500. Just walk us through those races because it's not very often that we get to have NCAA champions on our podcast. So what were those races like? Because that's the, I mean, that's the highest level as a collegiate. Yeah. So for the indoor championships, and I had qualified every year for my freshman year. So I really felt like I just, you know, I probably could have placed, you know, I got second at Alabama, but I could have maybe won, you know, one of those years before my senior year. Um, but we always went to Indianapolis. That was where the indoor championships were every year. Um, and so it kind of, it had a nice tradition going there. Um, and the girls, you know, you, the SEC is very competitive. So there are always a few people that I saw at conference that also made it to nationals. Um, I know we had some good runners out of Wisconsin, Villanova. Um, but going into those races, um, my training was tailored to be able to, you know, I was a front runner in high school. And when I went to Florida and JJ Clark, he said, if that's the only way you race, everybody's gonna know how to beat you. You have to, I want you to run from the back. I want you to be able to have some other cards to play. And at first I was like, no, I don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna do that. <laughs> I'm gonna race the way I've been racing. And so, you know, we played around with it. He gave me certain paces to hit. Um, of course, we had the Clark family and they would early on bring us through races. I'm sure his sister did, Joetta Clark that time, like bring me through a 440 something mile and just sit on her or, you know, these laps I want you to go. And so going into that national championship, it was, the plan was just be mindful, stay out of trouble, stay on their shoulder. And then when it was time to go and we picked that, and I'm sure it was in the last 600 meters and when you go, really go. Um, and it worked, you know, I was really fit and I was able to just pull away. We had some girls in there that were like 202, 800 meter runners, you know? So for me to go out and run like I did in high school, I would have just been the sitting duck, you know, at the end there. So, um, it was a sit and kick race and, and I think I ran pretty quickly my last 400. I, I don't know exactly the split, but, um, I think it was sub 70 and, yeah. So, I mean, it just worked out well, you know, he definitely was a mastermind of race plans. Um, and then outdoor championships, they were actually at the university of Indiana that year, um, outdoors as well. So we were close by. Um, and the same thing, I mean, my confidence had grown. I don't think anybody, I started to get where I wasn't beat for the whole year. Um, and so, but again, he wanted me to sit 
and be composed. You know, when you look at 800 meter races or the mile, everything in an eight comes down to the last 200. Everything in a 15 is probably a lot of stuff is going to happen in the last 300 meters. So you have to put yourself in position to, to be there. You can't be going out so hard and dying that last three because there's probably going to be somebody that's going to, you know, come running by you the last 200, the last 150. Um, and so we went out to Indiana. It was pouring rain. They didn't delay. Um, I remember I had to wear like a hat. Uh, we were warming up, trying to stay inside. Um, but at that time you can't, you know, they have very strict rules of what you can wear. So I'm going out there. I felt like I was going to lose my contacts. You know, it was raining that hard. Um, but again, it was just a, a sit. There was a lot of shuffling around. You know, it was quick. There were people that took shots early or midway through the race. And it was just staying mindful. And uh, my coach was on the back stretch. And sometimes he wouldn't tell me when I was going to, you know, I could always hear him. And he was like, okay, let's go. And that was somewhere between 300 and 250 to go. But all he told me going into that is like, you have to have another set of gears coming home. Once I say go, you still have to have something that you hit again in that last hundred meters of the race. Um, and for me, it worked. Some people went with me, but hitting that second set of gears definitely just brought me down the home stretch and, and it worked out again. So, yeah. Have you been able to like rewatch those races? Do you have like recordings of, of those that you have for yourself? Yeah. Um, and you know, like, like you said, it was, it's hard because there's not a ton of stuff on the internet, but just being um, around my college coach, they would have all the VH, you know, S tapes and we'd go over there and we watched races, um, you know, and it, people didn't have their phones out doing, you know, what they do now, but we would go um, watch a lot of, um, you know, like his wife's races from world championships and Olympic games. And um, they did televise the SEC, but yeah, we would go back and look at tape. Yeah, I, cause I, I tried to like, uh, YouTube find some of your races to watch on YouTube and pretty much the the only thing that I was able to find was just the 15, 15 seconds of the finish of the outdoor championship that you won uh, which is like cool that we could I could even just like find that much but um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of that right in that in-between time of where you know yeah. There's just not a lot to easily find, but. Yeah. So the girls now should appreciate it because they'll be able to go back and <laughs> dig up all their races. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you get those national titles, go on to graduate from the University of Florida. And what was the process like of figuring out who you were going to run professionally for? Like, did you get an agent right away? Did your college coaches help you out with that? You mentioned there were some coaches that had connections. What was that transition then going from college stud to finding a professional group to run for? Yeah. So um, my coach, you know, he had um, his wife who was Reebok for a really long time, his sister who was with Nike. And so when I came out, I was with Nike, but it, it, it was just like going back to college again. You know, I um, didn't run that summer after I won. I went back to the University of Florida and took classes, but looking back um, and looking at like, you know, these football players are different people that should you go, 
my advice would be go because you don't ever know what's going to happen. I came back for cross country and we um, won the triple crown. That's why they wanted me back. And that was special. But as far as how it helped me personally for my career, it wasn't, it wasn't the right move. I should have gone to Europe in the summer, got more experience. And looking back, um, I, I would say the bigger competitions you can go to, if you are in college and you can get over to Europe and race, it's nothing like it is in the United States. Like all their track meets are on TV and you go over there and the competition level is just up. Um, so it was hard for me, I struggled. Um, coming out of college, just um, I had some injuries because uh, with these sponsorships, you get equipment, but I wasn't at a level where I just got to pick out whatever I wanted. And so you were sent different spikes and shoes and um, at a planter problem that started to flare, flare up from the spikes and um, training harder. So I know I had a hamstring thing. Um, but it was definitely eye-opening. I went over to Europe that next year, so that would have been um, 98. And just, I ran the two mile, I remember that, and getting lapped, and I'd never been lapped, you know, in, in any of these races before. And so it was just really eye-opening. I think I came back and took the semester off because, um, you know, when you do this post-collegiately, it's everything you do. It's, you know, from the coaches that I've had, I've had ones that had mandatory ice baths, mandatory naps. I mean, it's what you eat, it's who you hang out with, it's your sleeping patterns, it's your, you know, I think with coach Joe Vigil, I was training up to 75, 80 miles a week, you know, so it's, it's a huge, it's a lifestyle <laughs> of what you're doing. Um, but JJ, my coach had, um, an agent in mind. And so I went with that person. Um, and although he had his sister and his wife that were already kind of um, in the professional scene, myself and his sister were like his first college people that he had groomed up to do that. So it was definitely a learning curve. You know, he's at Stanford now, and now it's down to a, you know, he was at Tennessee. It's very, um, I guess, more organized now than it was when we were coming up because we were kind of the first. So it was kind of like, hit and miss and see what works. But um, yeah, so it was kind of a rough transition. Yeah. I mean, you were obviously um, like athletically like situated being a national champ and, and like running the times that you did in high school, like you had the talent and, <clears throat> and like the wheels to, to make it like professionally. But do you think that maybe there were some things that, uh, either coaches or other agents or whoever uh, just didn't quite like prepare you for like the mental aspect of, of being a professional runner or I don't know. It, it yeah. It's just kind of like a, a difficult thing to, to know what you're getting into because there is like, there's such a huge difference from high school to college. So I know I, I struggled quite a bit my first couple of years, just like, living on my own and having to cook for myself and train in college. And so I, I imagine it's the same, same exact thing going from college to professional, even being at uh, a Florida where they're basically like grooming you for, for the next level. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely, um, like I said, looking back, had a, had a 
looked at it and, and did it over, I think I would have been thinking about an agent a little bit earlier um, and somebody that maybe, you know, I know when I came out of high school, I looked at programs and was like, let me see the people that I know, are they hurt? You know, are you just yeah, having girls that are hurt year after year after year? Well, I don't think, I don't know what you're doing or what you're telling me, but I'm not sure I want to go where, you know, everybody's getting hurt. So I think I would have started looking at agents sooner than I did. And I definitely think that um, for me, it was a confidence thing. So by, by the time I came out and I was kind of behind the wheel, um, you know, we had Susie Favor Hamilton, we had Regina Jacobs, and, you know, those guys went on for a number of years after that and were running sub four minutes, you know, however they did it, <laughs> they were running sub four minutes. And so these are the people I'm competing against. And I think the biggest thing for me, you know, I'd get in those races and I'd kind of be being, trying to be a front runner. And my coach would be like, if you would have just finished that, do you know how you still would have ran fast? But for me, it was... I wish I would have got beat more or started to train with the guys again or something or gone over to Europe earlier and kind of learned how to get beat so that I didn't have to do that on such a big scene after I was done with college because it just, you know, looking back now, I'm like, why did I get so nervous for the national championships or why did I get so nervous for these things where I think maybe um, a little bit of experience would have gone a long way. <clears throat> yeah. And so every post-collegiate goal is to compete at the Olympic trials and then hopefully go on to the Olympics. And you got to compete at the Olympic trials in 2000. Tell us about kind of the lead up or the build up to that. And then how that went. Yeah. So my, let's see. So they had the Olympics in 96 in Atlanta and like my whole family had tickets to the trials and I know we were going late into the season. I can't remember what the qualifying time was. It might've been a 4.16 or something like that. Um, and so we were going into the conference championships and we were up against trying to hit this qualifier. And I know I went into that race and it was really windy and I tried to go out and, you know, I tell my athletes now you can't, you know, at championship races, if you just stay mindful and you really compete, your times are going to come. If you go in there trying to chase a time sometimes, like especially outdoors, you don't know what the weather is going to be like. You don't know what um, competitors are going to do. Um, you know, just set yourself up to really have a good second end of the race. Um, I miss qualifying by less than a second. And so I had to go sit and watch with my family who already had <laughs> tickets to go to Atlanta for the trials. Um, and so that was definitely something that I wasn't going to let happen again. Um, but I didn't stay at Alabama more than a year and a half after I graduated. Um, I ended up going to train with Dina Castor and um, a group of athletes um, with coach Joe Vigil in Alamosa, Colorado at Altitude. And that was a really great year. I had um, run personal bests in practices with V Hill. He's very, you know, there's a philosophy and a, he has all the science behind what he does. And I PR'd everything from 200 meters up to 5,000 meters with him in workouts and mostly, you know, so I'd go to meets and, and so we're all kind of riding this line of like over, you know, training, I was training 75 miles a week as a, as a mile um, preparation for the mile. Um, and so I didn't run well at the trials that year, but I think maybe had a gun with V Hill a little bit earlier, 
you know, and then their group dispersed and went out to California and I didn't want to, you know, you're disappointed after something that you trained for for several years. So I didn't go with them. Um, but again, it was just kind of a eye-opening experience learning to lose <laughs> after um, so much success. Yeah. Becky, what was like, what was one, I mean, we've talked a little bit about how maybe the professional part of your career didn't go exactly how you had envisioned it or wanted it to go. But what what's maybe like one of the the brightest spots of your professional career? What what's one race that sticks out to you as as maybe you know the most memorable? Maybe it was one in Europe or one that you ran in the states uh, as a pro. Yeah, so it would probably be the first um, year out with JJ. We went out to um, Boston. They had a really great indoor track. And um, what was the girl's name? Fran Tan Benzel. She was a girl from Nebraska, but she had, you know, I went to and visited Nebraska and she was a senior there that year. Um, but I know she was in the race. Um, can't remember who else. They have a little circuit out there, but I ran well. I stayed in the thick of it and I, um, kicked and um, I don't know I was in the top three but you know it was a good race um, and I loved the mile so that was definitely one of them um, and then with V-Heel I'd never seen people train like this before Dina started training with men um, the whole time she was with V-Heel you know post-collegiately she pretty much went with him and has been with him for the duration of her career um, but I saw her do things in workouts that are that are not not normal, you know? And so even V-Hill's workouts, just to like sit there and be able to check off all these PRs, like from workouts, you know? Um, he would go out and do runs on the weekend where it was pretty much your PR pace for a 5K and he would station guys around me. And maybe um, a guy that was a marathon runner, but he was doing that workout, he was like, you get behind her and if she gets starts getting off pace, you put your hand on her back. You know, like they kept me on pace. And I'm just, so I ran like 1640 or something in a workout with running with guys like that. And so um, th those were just special times, you know, to go out there and really um, do things that you just didn't think you could ever do, you know, even in workouts, yeah. I'm so happy we're doing this interview because that's, those are stories that no one would ever know. You'd never be able to find those if you, if you didn't get to listen to this interview. So I'm super pumped that we're able to have you on. Yeah. So, yeah. so now you're a coach, you coach at Gustavus and we've talked a little bit about like some of your perspectives and your insight that you give athletes was coaching something you'd always planned on. Like it was going to be, I'm going to run post collegially and then I'm going to coach or how did you fall into the career path you're on now? No, I didn't think that because I saw my college coach putting in 15 hour days, you know, I, and, and traveling a lot, not being with his family. Um, when I was with V Hill, I remember when I sat down with him, he said, we have this training schedule and he came out with all like these calendars. And he was like, if a training day falls on Christmas, it's a training day, you know? So I remember training with him that first year. I think I went home for 24 hours and came back because we had a hard workout either the day after Christmas or, you know, um, what, whatever it was. But um, 
I'm sorry. What was the question again? <laughs> Just like, uh, when did you like, you know, you wanted to coach? So I didn't think that because my sister was a D2 coach when I was finishing up. And again, she was working 80 hour weeks. So I, I didn't think, oh, I want to do that because I knew it was such a huge time commitment and just kind of fell into it here. Um, we moved to Southern Minnesota. My husband is a preacher. Um, he played football at Tennessee and I was training post-collegiately there. So that's how we met. Um, but he was out here uh, preaching and I was working and saw an ad for Gustavus and it just said assistant coach. So I got in touch with um, Dale Barr, who's the head coach then, and um, his wife, Heidi Seltzer Barr, had competed or ran around the same time that I did. So she knew who I was. Um, funny enough, it was for a jumps coach position, which I'm not a jumper. <laughs> so, but I just thought, wow, this is an opportunity to kind of be back around athletes, which I kind of, you know, had done with my sister um, coaching. I helped her at Bowling Green a little bit. Um, but I told him, I said, I wasn't a jumper, but I will learn everything about jumping to if you bring me on board. And he did. And I still, I might let go of like, our groups are so big with middle distance. I might let go of like the triple jump and just do long, um, but came on board coaching jumps just because I loved, you know, track and field and I wanted to be part of what they were doing. Um, so that was in 96 and I've been there ever since. Yeah. Or no, 2016. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. You know, like my high school coach, I believe, got started coaching by doing hurdles because that's just, you know, that's where the, the position was and is now like the distance and head coach at my high school. Um, but uh, one, of the, one of the questions, and you kind of touched on this really, really early on, but uh, one of our, our friends and fellow North Dakota track fanatics, uh, Nate Peterson, uh, he's got a whole blog dedicated to, to running history, and he's compiled a bunch of, like, top 10 times for, like, times ever run in the state and times ever run by people from the state. Uh, anyway, he, he shares like a similar passion for North Dakota and for track and field as, as Ryan and I did. Uh, he had messaged me a question uh, saying uh, he was super curious to learn about uh, your heritage. Uh, he came across some articles that made it seem uh, like uh, you're native or First Nations, but it, it wasn't really clear. Um, so he, he'd just really like to, to know more about that. Uh, and, and we would too, uh, just because it's such a, big part about the state and the history of the state of North Dakota. Uh, I think it's important that we um, give credit to that and, and just talk about it a little bit. Yep. Um, so my dad uh, is Blackfoot. So I belong to that tribe. And then also um, the blood tribe in it runs, the tribal land runs from Montana, Eastern Montana, up into Canada. Um, and so you know, I, I didn't grow up on the reservation. Um, we grew up uh, not far from Glendive, right across the border from where my parents went to high school. Um, so a lot of times 
learning about my heritage was going back a couple times a year, you know, as I was growing up. Um, my great grandmother, she didn't speak English. She just spoke um, her language, um, which I don't, you know, know my language. I know there's some people that speak it. I think my sister's taking a class now and, and learning some. Um, but I got the opportunity kind of from my freshman year in college. Um, there is an organization out in Santa Fe, New Mexico, um, the Earth Circle Foundation, and they did grassroots like uh, mini running camps with Nike. And so they had a guy that flew us all over the country and we'd go to reservations and put on like a two day running thing. Um, and so really got to learn a lot more, but it's definitely for Native American people, a spiritual thing, um, kind of a respect thing. They're very into being respectful of the land and, and that kind of thing. Um, and so they would teach some of those things in these camps. Um, but, you know, if you look at the Native American population, there's huge rates of diabetes, um, obesity, um, suicide. And so a lot of times with these grassroots camps, it, it, we went in with the vehicle of running, but really it was about everything holistically, like the way you're eating and just, you know, building confidence and more of like a self-esteem thing and like get moving kind of thing. Um, but definitely going into those uh, environments, Native American people are the, the kindest, most gracious people. And so it was really exciting to go from tribes like the Navajo. Um, I mean, we were up, we were in Minnesota, um, North Dakota as well. Um, came back home a few times and did things um, with the Boys and Girls Club, like speaking engagements and that kind of thing um, over the years. But definitely through the, some of those uh, nonprofit organizations, got to learn a lot more about the different tribes. I just, uh, my like experience, it, I guess, would be with like Newtown and their, their kind of run of state championships over the last uh, 10 years and just like being at these cross country meets and watching um, the way that they run together um, and just with like a different like purpose, even in like high school and like a different, uh, a different sort of focus than maybe like any of the other teams. And then just watching like family members and uh, you know, parents and stuff running around cheering. Um, you, you can definitely tell um, that it means something different than to just, you know, the, the random uh, North Dakota runner. And, and I, I don't claim to know like in depth, but, but it is like easy to tell um, the difference and, and a really cool thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of got just some fun questions that we're going to end the interview with. I've got three of them. Um, and it's been so great to just listen to your career. Like I said, this is like stuff we didn't know, stuff that people would have a hard time finding anywhere else. So we really appreciate having you on the, the pod today. But yeah. uh, three kind of like more fun questions. First one is you've trained in so many different places. You mentioned Colorado, you were at Florida, Alabama. You got to go all over the country for these like outreach programs that you guys were doing. What was or what is like your favorite place to go for a run? I mean, 
I love the track. So any track workouts, yes. Um, but I definitely love just being um, in the fall. I love the fall running like on, you know, maybe uh, bike trails and that kind of thing. And we did a lot of that at Alabama. Um, we got in our vans and we were off going out to the Arboretum, um, places like that. But, you know, and I think that's refreshing too for a track athlete is kind of um, enjoy <laughs> where you are and where you're running because you're going to be doing a lot of it, you know? Yeah, that's cool. Second question is you mentioned Nebraska. So you said that that was one school that you considered going to. What was the school closest to North Dakota that you seriously considered? Because I'm sure you got letters from like an NDSU or a UND or some schools in the area, but what was the school geographically the closest to, to home for you that you thought I could potentially see myself going here? It was the U of M until they told me in the winter that they ran up their parking garages and back down on the cement. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> whatever, it, whatever it takes, I guess. But yeah, yeah. That'd, be, that'd be tough. Yeah. And then last question we have before, for you before we let you go today is just what advice would you give to young North Dakota runners? Because there's a lot of kids right now, like we mentioned, that are looking for some of these records. And right now, if you look at the North Dakota running scene, it's, it's quite good. There's a lot of kids that just committed to big schools and schools in general. But what advice would you have to these younger runners that look to people like you and say, I want to do that. I want to go to a big school. I want to maybe train post-collegiately someday. Mm -hmm. I would say you can do it. You know, I've trained with, um, well, I remember I turned down Stanford and they had called and I said, well, you guys just recruit the top people. So I don't know that just putting a jersey on all the top runners from all over the country, you know, whatever. I didn't know how their coaching was. They were, they were really good coaches too. <laughs> but, um, you know, just um, advice is just enjoy it. You know, it's, it's something I think as people from North Dakota, it's a different work ethic that we kind of take into things and that's going to translate onto what you're doing, where you go. But like I said, make sure that you feel like it's a family, you know, good fit atmosphere. Cause you're going to spend a lot of time with the people there, with the coach there. Um, maybe know who the AD is, you know, kind of do your research um, on these schools, but um, have fun, enjoy it. You know, when I look back, I'm like, I, you know, I made it there. Like, why didn't I just enjoy that? Why did I get so stressed out about this? And, um, you know, you, you can come from a local person that maybe doesn't have a lot of talent. I've seen coaches do this V Hill and have somebody who's a national champion. Um, so a hard work will take you a long, long way. If you stay healthy, work hard, um, you can go after whatever you want to go after. That's awesome. Becky, thank you so much uh, for sitting down and, and chatting with us. This was amazing. Uh, you have a ton of experience. Uh, I, I, I don't just say this like flippantly or lightly, but you do, you have a ton of experience and a ton of wisdom. Uh, and I really hope that whoever listens to this uh, takes everything you say and, and just takes it to heart um, about the grit and the passion of North Dakotans and just how beautiful running is and, and the great things that can come from it. So 
thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, it was fun.